Welcome to Latinos Who Tech. My name is Hugo Castellanos. I'm an engineer and I work in Silicon Valley. I am originally from Caracas, Venezuela, and I've been calling the U.S. home for the last 20 years. When it comes to Latinos in the U.S., we are 60 million people, but we're only 3% of the workers in science or engineering. As a professional in Silicon Valley, I've had the opportunity to meet some remarkable professionals that work in the tech industry, Latinos like me. With this podcast, I want to bring you a collection of their stories and how they got a job in tech in the first place. And if they had to start all over again, what would they do differently? I want to share with you career advice on how to get a job in tech, how to deal with imposter syndrome, how to find your tribe when you're the only one in the room. This is Latinos Who Tech. This episode of Latinos Who Tech is brought to you by Audible. Audible is the world's premium platform for audiobooks with over 150,000 titles. If you're like me, you're passionate about learning new things, but finding the time to read may be difficult. Audiobooks are a great alternative. You can get a free 30-day trial plus a free audiobook by going to audibletrial.com slash latinos. Go and support them since they support us. Thank you. Angela Romero, welcome to Latinos Who Tech. I am super thrilled to be here with you, Hugo. Awesome. Thank you for making the time, especially on a Wednesday. I know the office is deserted because it's work from home Wednesdays. So yeah. Really appreciate you making the time. Of course. Happy to be here and connecting with everybody. So tell me a bit about yourself and about the place where we are in Coursera. Yeah, so we are right now at the Coursera offices. It's on a Wednesday, so it's really, really empty here. Coursera is one of the largest online education companies. Really, our mission is to transform the lives of learners through the best educational experience that we can provide. And, you know, we do that by partnering with like top universities and also companies and they put out not only their content, but their credentials and then we distribute it to our global learner base. So right now we have about 40 million learners around the world. Yeah, so we're growing super fast. And, you know, the cool thing is that our certifications and, you know, and our programs are really just a fraction of the cost and are always like on the cutting edge of the skills that you need to get. Do you have a favorite course or like a specialization or something that uh, in your mind from the ones you've taken? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think Andrew, I mean, Andrew Ng just recently launched an AI for Everyone course. And so it's, it's a really short course and it basically teaches or explains to people in like very lame and terms what AI is and how it's going to transform the world. And it's really cool because it's just in a, in a very kind of digestible language. It's nothing super technical or anything. Got it. So yeah. it is for everyone indeed. I it mean, is for everyone indeed. You don't have to have a technical background. or uh, Right. Exactly. 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 And then the other cool one is learning how to learn. So it's basically love that love, course. Right? Pomodoro technique, <clears throat> all the things. I have ADHD, so it really <laughs> helped me uh, get over it, like overcome it in a way you know? yeah 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 and so i mean for everybody that's like a lifelong learner like you and me uh, learning how to learn is just really just a great way to get like your learning skills up and running and increase your learning do you have like a favorite learning technique like how do you like to learn 
I actually like reading. Yes, I like reading and I like journaling. Like I like I read a book and then I like summarize what I learned. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah, it helps me like kind of synthesize the knowledge and just remember it down the line. I'm more of an audio guy, yeah. you know, because I, I love listening to things yeah. and audiobooks, podcasts. Yeah. So I have a YouTube Red only because I can actually lock my screen right, and then right, listen right, back right, to right, the, right. the videos because uh, more of an audio person. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, I have this you know, ADHD thing. So I usually I walk when I'm learning something new. Mm, so when I'm listening to a lecture or something, mm-hmm. even the Coursera courses, mm-hmm. I'm probably walking around, you know, in the morning or in the afternoon while I'm listening to them. Everybody has their own learning style. Yeah, I like to like sit and like drink a tea, just have a quiet space. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. I'm a strong believer that you can learn something new from anyone you meet. That is why every month I compile all the key learnings from this podcasting experience and summarize them in my monthly newsletter. I curate the resources we talk about, key learnings, books I'm currently reading, and give you recommendations on how to become a better Latino professional. You can sign up following the show notes or at latinoswhotech.com. Thank you. I hear a bit of an accent. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you're Colombiana, I can yes, tell. Yes, yes, yes. So how do you get here? How do you get to Coursera? Yeah, so I'm, I'm Colombian, Colombiana. I moved to the States when I was 19. Total, like, American dream story, you know. I wanted to just come here. I just wanted to get better opportunities for myself. So then I just, after I graduated high school, I was like, this is really the time for me to move, right? And, you know, I moved here without knowing very little English, like, almost no money, and just hustle. When I moved here, I started going to the Berkeley English School. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To like learn English first. And that took like about two years. And I was like doing hustling, like all these random things, like being like a salsa teacher and like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like salsa teacher, nanny, like, you know, all of those things uh, kind of on the on the side to kind of just make money. And then I transferred to community college, right, to be able to start getting my uh, my associate's degree. At the time, as I mentioned, I thought that associate's degree was like the highest level of education that you could get. Mm. And it turns out that it wasn't. And I, I was very lucky because I had an account teacher that basically mentored me and explained to me how the U.S. education system worked and that there's like a transfer, you could transfer to like four-year colleges and all that. And so she helped me kind of go through my application, right, to various colleges. That's, you know, when I kind of started to get a sense of like how complicated education is here in the States and like how uh, inaccessible it is for many. And so long story short, I had really great, you know, I had like a 4.0 GPA when I graduated community college. So I, I, in theory, had really great academic achievements to go to a, a really good college or a really four-year college, but I didn't have kind of the financial means to be able to apply. And so it was like a really frustrating, really mm. frustrating experience in my life. Right. And um, so then I ended up, uh, you know, applying to another great college, which was SF State. And I got there and I graduated, you know, with the highest grades in my class. And so I think that for me, was like a very formative experience of like, wow, like, I get things like I'm smart and it this was just like a really hard thing and I've started to notice that education was inaccessible 
And so that's why I'm super passionate to be working here at Coursera. So I noticed that you started in PR. So what's it like to work at a PR agency? Oh, it's it's actually, I think it's one of the best experiences that anyone working in the business can have. It's really frantic. It's like a crazy boot camp. I mean, it's like 16-hour days. You have a lot of different clients. Um, I especially worked in tech PR. So, you know, I had clients that were like Google, Salesforce, Visa was also one of my clients, all of the kind of the top tech firms here. And so you kind of learn a lot about different companies and what their business model is and how they uh, leverage PR to build their brands to drive agendas and things like that. So it was like really fascinating. So then when did you realize that you wanted to switch into sales? Yeah, so that's actually a really good story. So it's actually related to the Latino community. I so, so I I monitored, you know, it was it was PR and social media, so I monitored the pages of some of these companies as well, and I started to notice a trend. It this wasn't a tech company, it was a retail company. And I started to notice a trend of like upwards of, you know, like a lot of Latinos coming to the page and saying like, I can't, I don't understand what this ad is saying, or I don't understand what this post is saying, because it was only in English. Uh, and there was like a significant amount of people coming in and the trend was growing. And so then I kind of put this pitch together to say like, hey, client, like you actually have a really big opportunity with the Hispanic community. Look at the data. The client was like, oh my gosh, yeah, this is amazing. And I basically like got like an incremental project from this client. So that's was kind of like the way I got into sales. And I was like, hey, wait, I'm actually kind of good at this. Like, this, <laughs> this is totally not my job. And I'm already making like money for this agency when, you know, I was like a, like a junior person. So I was like, there's something to this. I really enjoyed this process. Google was one of my clients, right? And so then I was able to kind of network on my way in and uh, starting to work with, it was sales and, and partnership for Google in Latin America. And so I was also able to kind of use my, you know, knowledge of uh, the, the countries and the language and everything to be able to, like, get a job there. Right. Yeah. And the whole tumbao Latino yeah. helps along the way. <laughs> of course, of yeah. course. Or how they say in Colombia, the Malicia Indígena. Malicia well. Indígena, <laughs> El Charm, todo. Yeah, that's sí, amazing. Sí, sí, that's amazing. Sí. So were you... Prospecting? Were you looking for leads? What, what was your role at Google in this sales role? Yeah, so it was it wasn't kind of like an end to end partnership role. So basically, like finding the leads, prospecting, mm -hmm. but also pitching them on this product and making sure the contract got signed, and then also just managing the partnership. And then I noticed that. You got really good at cold calling. I love cold calling. Yes. Really? I, I, You're I just, a phone person. I am a phone person. <laughs> I'm a people's person. I love talking to people. I just, I get like hyped. I get like energy when I'm like talking to people and trying to convince them of stuff. I also do think that one of the, like your pitch is not really done in, you know, on the call. Your pitch needs to be done before. Like you, the more research that you do about the person and why whatever you're selling to that person makes sense for them and for their business, the easier your call call is going to be, 
right? If you're just like, hey, uh, I'm here from Coursera, like, do you want to chat? Like, that's not going to work. If you say, hi, my name's Angela, I've noticed that you do X, Y, and Z. I have this product X that could help you with X, Y, and Z. Can we have a few minutes to chat? That's a completely different pitch. And interestingly enough, the only reason that I learned that was because I started in PR, and PR is all about understanding the customer and, and figuring out what's the messaging that would resonate with the customer, the media, or, or stuff like that. So it's about spending the time to actually front load the work. For, exactly, front load the work, do the research as to what is, the, I'm, I'm surprised by how many salespeople don't understand what the business of the prospect is. Of course. You know, and, and also don't understand what the function of that person is and don't understand how you need to tailor the pitch to not only the business, but also the function of the person and the seniority, right? So it's like a lot of tailoring that you need to do in your initial even call call or email, called email. But yeah, so you need to do a lot of research before. Got it, then. And modulating the message because... Mod- um, tailoring the message. Tailoring yeah. the message. Tailoring the message to all of those different components, not only the industry, seniority, and function of the person within the org. It's not the same with um, an engineer from a company uh, as the, uh, or to talk to the CTO right. of the company. It's a different kind of conversation. Right, exactly. And frankly, what I know, I think the, the reason I liked it so much is that most of the time kind of, not most of the time, but I would say a high percentage of the time, I, people responded because I was thoughtful on the email. I was like, I did research on you. This is why I think it would help you. Let's chat. And if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work and I'm not going to bother you anymore. So how would you write the perfect pitch email? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, so I think it, it needs to be short, short and sweet, and it has to have those components. Hi, I'm this person. I've done research in your business. I've noticed this This is probably a problem that you have. This is how my product can help you. Do you have a few minutes to chat? And I like the fact that it's high. Yeah. So it's that human component. Of course. And uh, something that annoys me to no end is how sometimes when I'm working with people in Latin America, yeah. is that whole estimado señor mío. <laughs> The, you know, know, like uh, that, 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 like, that, like telenovela sí, talk sí, that sí, 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 I, I hate that stuff. Oh, horrible. Oh, saludos cordiales. I chao, bye. Yeah. Sí, no, no, no. Yeah, I, my, my, my one, the one that I use that, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it's my thing. Like I made it my own. It's like mil gracias. Ah, sí. But, but it's a simple one. You know, it's not, it's not pretentious. It's mil gracias. And, and I mean it every time. Mm-hmm. I, but that's the thing. I mean it every time I say it. And you can tell. You can tell. You can tell when people are genuine. I think that's also one of the things that when you're doing sales or partnerships, like I think if you actually care about doing the right thing for for the client, that shows and people can tell. Right. People get you know what really bothers me is when I get messages talking about tailoring. It's clear, very clear from my profile that I'm not in marketing, that I'm not in engineering, that I'm not, you know, and I get like pitches about like this marketing product and I actually respond to them. I'm like, you are a bad salesperson, like I'm not even in marketing. Like why are you why why are you emailing me? I've, I, I've done the same thing. <laughs> I've done the same thing. <laughs> and I'm like just delete and so I like respond like if I were you I would look at people that you know are on marketing because this makes no sense for me you know and I'm not it's disrespectful like you didn't even take the time you're asking me for a favor you didn't even take the time to look what I did of course why this would be relevant and you're asking me to hear you out and I'm not even the right person it's just yeah Yeah, I I guess like 
that happens when they buy those leads by by the bulk mm. or when they just they hire somebody uh, an intern to actually right. go go through like linkedin right. and just a linkedin sales navigator and they don't know how to use it they don't know right, how to tailor right. it so they blast 500 leads with the same email and right that's not the way to do it that's not the way to do it i yes to your point about front loading i front load everything i do my own research as to like hey I want to understand how the organization works, who within the organization would be the best or the most interested in what I have to sell. And that's a lot of like mental like work right. that needs to happen before. And it's not like it's not about like how did I email 500,000 people today? Right. And, and people ask me that all the time because they see that I in the podcast, I don't only talk with people in my industry, in semiconductors. Right. I talk with people in e-learning, right. in, in academia, people that work in tech, in high tech. And, Hugo, how do you get them? I find a sponsor. So, Angela, do you know any software engineers that I should talk with? Yeah. Oh, of course. I have 10 of them. I can introduce you. I can yeah. give you a warm intro. Yeah. And that's how you do it. Totally. So, it's different than me cold emailing somebody. Hey, come to my podcast. Like, no, 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 no. What then you saying like, oh, I had a great experience at Hugo's podcast right. and let me connect the two of you. So I'm finding that sponsor, that warm intro. That's even better. That's, that's even better. Exactly. Right. And if you don't have that, opp that opportunity, if you have to do cold, then you really have to put in the, the effort that we just discussed. So that's the perfect email. A lot of the people that listen to this are air quotes, quote unquote, millennials. <laughs> and I'll include myself in this uh, thing. I'm not really a phone person. I'm more of a texting person. I'm more of an email person. I'm more of a, a synchronous communication person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know why. Uh, something about the phone just turns me off a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So I'm wondering, how can somebody get better at using the phone? What's the perfect phone call for you? Well, I think it, I think it to, to your point, I think, you know, when I was doing a lot of cold calling, it was with Latin America. And I mm -hmm. think phone communication, if you will, in Latin America with offices is more, I guess it's more popular. Like, I feel like here Got in the it. U.S., like if like businesses just really don't have phones. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't think at Coursera, like I have a phone. I don't think you can reach me or, or, or anything. Yeah. It's like I, I know I have a office phone like I've, I've seen my outlook profile like i know i have one i've never ever used it right 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 exactly. everything's like so email based or im based yeah or like so i think messaging. it's a cultural difference i think if i were doing sales here or when i do sales or business development with us or canada I have like a different business culture i would probably start with an email or a warm intro right but i don't know i mean i think you millennials i you just gotta pick up the phone and call and always say thank you at the end. Yeah, be genuine, genuine. Be genuine, be genuine. And I find that also a lot of times silence is your friend. Yeah. So there's this, and I'm guilty of this, that I want to fill every moment with words. Right. But in reality, sometimes I want the other person to think and I want them to answer my question. Yeah, questions are also your friends. And keep them open. Yeah. So they tell you the truth. They tell you the, right. the real story. The, yeah. No, totally. And in a way, also, I don't get, like, I get some, some people call me on my phone, some salespeople, but after I told them, like, hey, I'm not interested, I'm not in a decision-making role because I changed companies. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, literally, I was looking for a product in another company. Now I'm not in that company. I don't need that product anymore. They keep calling. Mm. It's so weird. Yeah, I don't know why they don't clean up their 
call yeah. less. But it's the point. same person. Yeah, yeah. Really? Yes. Yeah, when you're in the zone and you're doing like 300 calls in one day, yeah, I mean, you should be able to flag like, okay, this one, no, this one, yes. Like right. all the CRMs have that. All the yeah. customer relationship management tools have that. So. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe they like the sound of your voice. <laughs> Let me, why are you doing a 505? I'm calling Angela again. Right. She, she has a really nice voice. La chica colombiana. Yeah, she has the, the Rola, the Rola mm -hmm. accent. Another one of the things that really caught my attention when we were, you know, before we, we met. Yeah, yeah. I noticed that you switched from Google to Duolingo. Yeah. So you went from this huge enterprise company. Yes, guys, Google's not a startup anymore. <laughs> to Duolingo. So you went to this startup environment. And I'm wondering why? I mean, switch industries all the way. So you went into the e-learning. Yeah. So what happened? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. I think it's, it's a factor of like two things. I mean, one, you, you said it, right? Like Google is a huge, massive corporation. Yes. And so usually the way things work when, when you, and it's not, you know, it's not like a bad thing or a good thing. It's just depending on where you are in your career and what, what aligns best with what you're hoping to get. So when you're working in a mega corporation or large corporation, the way the work has been divided or the work streams have been divided is that you, you, are like a little cog in a wheel in, mm -hmm. in a way that you do very kind of similar tasks re repeatedly, right? Like there's not a lot of latitude for bringing your own strategy or, you know, being creative or, you know, the hustle or just like building something new, right? And so that kind of that really, really attracted me to that. And also... You know, Duolingo, it's a learning company and, and it helps people around the world learn different languages. But I was working specifically with Latin America. So it really kind of attracted me to be able to bring this tool to people in Latin America so they can learn English. Because as you know, if you know English in Latin America, you can have access to like, you know, way better jobs and you can even get races and stuff like that. So it just felt like, you know, my own personal mission that I wanted to give back to people in Latin America and help them with this great free product at the time and that's yeah. amazing and, and and the cool thing about duolingo is i'm a very happy user yeah, yeah, yeah and and i'm actually i'm going to well i'm going to europe tomorrow yeah i mean I'm, i don't know when this is going to come out but so i downloaded the duolingo for italian yep because i'm gonna be there for a couple of days so why not right. also practice and it's fun and it's yeah it's it was super like, fun yeah it's a game yeah i mean you're playing and yeah, yeah. you get that dopamine hit when you get something right uh -huh. so it works right so at least for like an introduction, it's, it's an amazing thing. Right, exactly. And like you got, you know, like, so and Duolingo, just overall, just startups, you can put together your own strategy and bring your own ideas and you can learn so much more. So I, I thought that was worth the change. Yeah. That's and amazing. traveling around going back to Mexico, like Chile, Colombia, that was really fun. What are you most proud of from your time at Duolingo? Oh my gosh, that's a good question. I think so. There were two really big partnerships that we did with in Colombia, which, you know, of course, at Mi País. It was a one was the Semana Duolingo. And so basically in Colombia, there, it, there are like this internet hubs, like an internet cafe, but it's free and people from like low income communities can go and have access to right. computers and, and internet and stuff like that. And there's like about like 7,000 uh, around Colombia. 
And so for those centers, we had a week in which Duolingo was like the official app. Uh, and so all the like kids would go after school and then they would play and would play and learn with Duolingo and they would learn English. And it was super cute because they had all of the monitors. They had like the screen with Duolingo and they were taking pictures and they would send me pictures of like all of them learning English. It was just like, oh, heartwarming. And so I think that was one of my favorite things. We had a competition and the, the centro that had the most kind of hours of learning time won this like Duolingo swag and they sent me pictures of the swag. It's super cute. So I think that was one of my favorite moments. And then my other favorite moment was also in Colombia when we actually did a partnership with uh, the Ministry of Employment. And mm -hmm. so similarly in Colombia, there's a lot of people that when they graduate, they need to learn English to be able to get access to like, you know, a, a, a better job. And so Duolingo could play like a key component in that. Right. And so then right. this huge cohort of young people that were graduating, we gave them access to Duolingo and then we gave, gave them access to also a an English certificate that we were launching at the time. So they would be able to not only learn English with Duolingo, but be able to take the test and prove that they know that, you know, they have this competency and to be able to get employment, hopefully easier. And so we, we launched the partnership with the Ministry of Employment. So that mm -hmm. was that was huge it was like a huge press round it was covered in all like the top tier news and so it just felt really good to be able to give back you know to, to my country and, of course uh, i would say those are the two most proud moments awesome you know, yeah. happy happy to learn that and and that's one of the things because uh you know in startup land so here in silicon valley we're, we're surrounded by all these startups and yeah, yeah, yeah some of them are building really cool really useful stuff yeah, and yeah. you know things like this like duolingo like what Coursera is doing, they have has this high impact. And then some of the other startups are building dog walking apps <laughs> or yeah. apps so people can deliver my groceries to my door, which is cool. I mean, it's fine. It's, it's a problem. It's a problem. It's useful. But, but there's something about being part of these companies, these yeah. startups that have this kind of impact yeah. that I, it just it must feel so rewarding. It is so rewarding and it's like, you know, it's something like, like, hey, that heartwarming feeling, that feeling that you are actually helping others, you can't get, you can't pay for that. You of can't course. get, and you can't get it at another place that creates dog walking apps or, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. Of course, yeah. of course. So why Coursera? When I was at Duolingo, um, I had a friend and a mentor and sponsor of mine, his name is Giovanni. And Giovanni Dubois. Of course, he's like famous. No, see, he's, he's like the, the most famous person he's, he's, in. No, in the Bay, he's a Bay Area legend. He's El a Chaping, Bay Area legend. <laughs> they call him a Chaping. Well, I call him El Chaping because he's from Guatemala, so I call yeah, him that. But, uh, oh my gosh, that's so funny. Yeah, so so him. Um, I literally every time I talk about him, I kid you not. I'm like, oh, you know Giovanni? Yes. Or every time I say I'm from Corsair, oh, do you know Giovanni? I'm like, yes. He, I work with him every yeah. day. He's and we amazing. need to talk about that because Coursera has this really cool thing because I mean it's 300 and something folks yeah. right now. And there's like 20 Latinos, so yeah. they all know each other. I know. Um, <laughs> yeah, so Giovanni, he at the time was launching Coursera in Espanol. And so it was, you know, Coursera in, 
and all of that. He had a really kind of big, really cool event in Mexico City, and he invited me to speak about uh, Duolingo. Uh, you know, I attended, it was like a whole day conference, and before my panel, Daphne Kohler spoke. Mm. And the co-founder of Coursera. The co-founder of oh. Coursera spoke, and then I was in a panel at the time with the engineering director, whose name, his name is Esteban, and he's um, Argentinian. And with Giovanni, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is such a cool company. And Daphne is so inspiring. I mean, if you've ever seen her TED Talk, or just hear, hear her talk, she's so inspiring about around the mission. And I was like, wow, this company is awesome. The people are awesome. I love Giovanni. And then a role opened around global business development. And I also love global. I just love traveling around the world, learning about different cultures, different people, etc. And so then, you know, I, I applied. And then I got the role. Yeah. Plus, plus you, you had Giovanni, you know, Giovanni, co coach you along the way. Well, Giovanni and, coached me and Giovanni referred me. I credit him. I, I thank him every day. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, it's yeah, amazing. Yeah. I need to bring him to the podcast. Yeah, I, need I was going to gonna say, a, you need to interview him ASAP. Got it. Got yeah. it. It's more like a conversation than an interview. But, you need to, do, but, you but, need but to converse you. with him. Let, let, chat. Got it. What does he like to drink? So I can get, and no, I don't think I drink. <laughs> How? I don't think he probably, I don't know. Tequila, sí. maybe? Sí. I have no idea. Comencemos con agüita. Agüita, exacto. Agüita, agüita. There you go. ¿Lo he conocido? Like, I've met him at networking events. Sí. Él es un legend de la... Sí, pero super yeah. casual. Sí. And the thing is, like, I did a, um, so backtrack. So the second episode for this podcast, for Latinos Who Tech, uh -huh. it was... Um, to MBA or not to MBA. So it's my friend Roxana from yeah. Intel. And then her best friend from Berkeley, eh, Ana Luz Acevedo, she's at Adobe. I mm -hmm. talked with her last Friday for lunch. And then, yeah, I'm going to Coursera because I have this thing. Like, oh, do you know Giovanni? <laughs> <laughs> we, we, used to, we used to we used to live at international house oh like, my gosh <laughs> yeah berkeley. i've heard of i know all of his international house friends so oh. yeah so it's like the the berkeley mafia thing going yeah, on yeah, yeah. <laughs> small freaking world small yes well we're a very tight community which i actually i really we were talking about this the other day but I, and i think the latino community here in the bay area is pretty tight and like supportive of each other which i really right. appreciate Yeah, at least we all know each other to some yeah. extent. Yeah. And and I find that it's really cool that we are Latino first. So I'm currently at Intel. Right. And I have friends that are Latino that work at AMD mm -hmm. and NVIDIA. And, uh, oh, man, like, we shouldn't talk. And No, 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 no. We're Latino first. Oh, Latino first. Totally. Of course. Totally. And, and to us is that, yeah, this is a job. But my identity, where I come from, that that's paramount. Yeah, I mean, I was just telling you that uh, my when I'm like stress eating, I eat like bocadillo, mm -hmm. bocadillo and queso, and I have arequipe, and we have some jet chocolatinas here. So yeah, when I was in PR, because a very like kind of white dominated white actually it's white girl dominated field, right? <laughs> it's not white male dominated field. I did struggle with it a little bit to kind of fit in more. How so? Well, because they're very nice ladies. They're very, everybody's like, you know, mm -hmm. white. And not only just your peers, but also the partners, the senior right. partners. The higher-ups. The higher-ups who you don't really see like a role model, right? You don't really see like a role model, like a Latina and a role model in, in this environment. So you, I guess, subconsciously think that you need to look the same to be able to fit in. Right. Right. And so, yeah. 
Yeah, and and yeah. and that's why I'm doing this podcast so people can listen right. and learn about folks that made it here to Silicon Valley. Yeah, and are trailblazing the way for them to come here. Right, exactly. And so, like, you can see me, but I have dark hair, and so I used to dye my like hair blonde, really? and yeah, 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 just to kind of like look the same. And and it was actually in in Google they had this uh, like Ola ERG, and so I felt like having that ERG kind of and being part part of it because I didn't have it, being part of it just really helped me kind of like bring that identity back, and I just felt like so much happier, and like I thought like I could bring myself to work. So I thought that was super important. It is. It is. Yeah. You know. So at Coursera, yeah, you yeah. are in this global role. Yeah. And you're a principal manager. What does a principal manager do? What What is like your your day to day like here at Coursera? It's an interesting role because I it's shifted from like being a principal manager to being more of a business unit manager. And so, so a principal manager, just for people to know, it's basically a business development manager that works with mainly here at Coursera with universities. And what we do is we work with the universities to get their programs on our platform. And then we sell those programs and, you know, we, we monetize those programs, you know, in partnership with the university. And so when I was a principal manager, I actually launched Coursera in Brazil. So, or did led Coursera's expansion in Brazil. Nossa. And yes, 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 yes. So we launched like 25 courses in Brazil, all from top universities like USP, FIA, Unicampi. And so I used to go to Brazil a lot. Uh, a little pan de queijo. I'm obsessed <laughs> with the pan de queijo. And uh, so, so that was really fun. And then I also launched Coursera's self-driving car program. So from the University of Toronto is one of our top programs that we have here. So those are kind of uh, some examples of what a principal manager does. Got it. Now my role as a business unit manager is it's interesting because it's an internal role so i don't really liaise as much with the external partners but i kind of i'm more of like a an internal coordinator of sorts like not only coordinate like i create i put together the business strategy but then i i ensure that internally all of the cross-functional teams are aligned towards the strategy right and so all the cross-functional teams are partnerships who go get the content then marketing who you know markets the content production who produces the content uh and then finance who manages how much money we're making and stuff like that so making sure all of those pieces of the puzzle are coordinated and are driving towards the strategy is what what i'm doing right now what are the challenges that coursera has right now for or you in your current role like for the next quarter two quarters like what's um what's the biggest problem or not or challenge that you're facing right now because it's a new business unit it's kind of like a startup within a startup <laughs> so yeah, we're like a startup section <laughs> So we're kind of like building the plane uh, as we're flying it, if you will. So it's like we're doing everything in, in real time. We're understanding what the problem is. But this is why startups are so exciting. So we're understanding what the problems are, where the bottlenecks in content production or content sourcing are. And then we're putting together the strategy and saying, with limited information, with saying, okay, based on what we know, here's what I think we think we should do. Here's the process, putting out together a process and then operationalizing it. And not only operationalizing it in our minds, but making sure that the rest of the company follows that. That is challenging in and of itself. And so we've been able to kind of build this 
part of the process, more around the production process. And now what we need to figure out is, hey, what are the piece of content that or, or the, the programs that we need to go after? So let's say that I'm fresh out of college and I want to get into the e-learning mm. industry, into the learning industry. What kind of opportunities I can get at Coursera? Like where, where is the growth? Where is the one place where my help would be needed the most? Well, I think we're actually going to start hiring a lot. But I would say 50% of the company is engineering. So I would say by volume. And then I think the other team that it's growing a lot and that only by volume is growing a lot is also um, sales. Got so it. I would say you're better off at engineering ourselves got it so then the people that are building the platform and actually that ux that the learners right uh, like engineers and also product um so figuring out hey what are the features that coursera should have to be able to create a, a, a more engaging learning experience right and also because we're a platform we're connecting universities with learners so also you can figure out hey how do we work best with universities and how do we create a platform for them to be able to put their credentials on our platform more in a more streamlined way it's amazing yeah so and we'll add that to the show notes as well so people can find you and learn more about Coursera and yeah, yeah, yeah. hopefully apply hopefully you can get some talent yeah this definitely if you're interested just reach out to me I'm on LinkedIn you mentioned something at the beginning I wanted you to go a bit deeper in and uh -huh. it was the ERGs See. the employee resource groups employee resource group what's an ERG anyway Yes, so an ERG is a group that is created by employees for employees. And I, I mean, it's basically a group that helps employees just, I don't know, it, it's hard to explain. It's like it's there to help employees in, in whatever way they need help with or whatever way they, they want to kind of organize. And so at Coursera, the way we're thinking about it is... We want to create a group that would help us foster like the sense of like familia here, familia, community events, uh, meeting other uh, ERGs. And then we also want to focus on figuring out ways that we can increase the pipeline of Latino candidates. And then just have fun, have events, celebrate like our heritage. So like here, Hispanic Heritage Month is kind of like a huge thing. So celebrating those kind of things. And I think it's important, and we've talked about this or we alluded to it before, because when you're in the Bay Area or in, you know, maybe, I don't think even that's the case in New York, but in the Bay Area is a very like a white-dominated uh, tech industry, if you will. So you do kind of feel like an outsider, even though it's like, everybody's super nice and everything uh, you do feel like a little bit kind of off and you do feel like like you don't belong a little bit and and so that has some like repercussions in the way that that you feel and the way that you behave and, and everything like that like as i was telling you like subconsciously I, like i wanted to belong at fleischman hillard and you know everybody was white so i was like all right well i'm gonna dye my hair blonde and just pretend i don't have an accent but then that there's that sense of like non-acceptance of who you are which it's not healthy from a psychological perspective. And so those kind of things are, that's just why the ERGs are so important because it helps you create that space that would help people from like minorities feel like they belong and like they're uh, appreciated and respected and celebrated and all of that. 
And it's also creating this environment where it's okay to be yourself and right. it's okay to have an accent and it's okay yeah, to yeah. maybe speak a little louder than other people oh, and do. Yeah, and it's a stereotype, but like be late and just no, not don't care if you're late or bring like chocolatino jets or like, you know, I bring or everybody brings sometimes like little treats and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a, I think it's very, it's a very special thing and... It is. And a, a lot of folks that listen to this are in college or young professionals. Yeah. And I would encourage you when you start at a new company to seek them out. Yeah. Because um, it actually helped me connect with folks that were more senior than me. And we had the Latino thing in common. Right. So I was able to build relationships with people right. that were directors and people that have 10, 15, 20 years of experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we were able to build those authentic relationships first. So it's not about Jose, the director. It's about my friend Jose. Right, exactly. So and you I, can bridge that gap first. I really like how you framed it about your authentic relationships. Bringing your authentic self to work. I think that's one of the key things that we're hoping to get with the Ola ERG here. Our CEO is our executive sponsor. So... <laughs> Yeah, so I love startup life. You can get it at that level. Right, exactly. So, you know, we we have access to him and he's super supportive. And so it's just it's just really just great. Another thing about ERGs that I want some folks to realize is that yeah. it's not only the Latino, the um, African-American, the Asian-American. Yeah, yeah. There's also ERGs for atheists at Intel. Oh, for no example, way. so we have an atheist ERG. Well, we have a uh, parents ERG. Yeah. All the nationalities that you can think of. I mean, is Silicon Valley. There's a lot of uh, people from India here mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and from China as well. Yeah. And uh, but that caught my attention. The fact that there's a uh, parents ERG like that. That's cool. I mean, because I mean, they have different challenges and different mm -hmm. and they need some special kind of support. Exactly. Yeah, because in my case, like I'm, I'm not married. I don't have kids. So right. when I move to a new place, like oh, the schools are okay. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just living there. Right. So it's it's great to to find that you can find community. Yes. Throughout these communities. Community, familia. I think it's I think it's super important. I mean, I love I love everybody at the ERG. They're they're just great and like. You know, we have just dinners at my place and we just catch up. You know, they become people become your friends. Right. And and they're also from other places in the organization. Not because usually you're friends with people in your team. Right. Because you see them all the time. But it's it's been super nice. I love it. Angela, you've been extremely grateful with your time. Yeah, but I know it's late and I want to make sure that I'm respectful of your time. Anything else you would like to add? for this audience of Latinos who tech? Yeah, Ugo, thank you so much. Uh, I think I would just want to say to everybody listening to this podcast that uh, lifelong learning has been really transformative for my life. Uh, I mean, I remember that I moved here when I was 19. I didn't know English. I didn't even know what a four-year college was. Uh, I didn't even know what Google was for um, for a little bit. And then it, learning new things, and, and I would just say not just learning, but constantly learning new things and constantly challenging yourself. You can go anywhere. You can do anything that you can. And, you know, I think I, my life has just 
proven that that's the case. And I think, you know, with Coursera, and not only Coursera, but all of the other platforms, it's not really a lack of motivation. It's not really a lack of uh, content. Is a lack of, like, motivation. Like, the content is there. You just need to kind of motivate yourself, take the learning how to learn class, and then you could code, you can learn sales and get a new job that's going to change your life. And that happened in my life, so I hope that you kind of get excited for that. Amazing. Thank you so much, Angela. Gracias. De nada.